Last week, we began a new series through the book of Acts that we are calling Wild and Free. And Acts is just, if you are not familiar with this, it's just the, the story of the church, how it started and how it spread and how it flourished up until about the year 66, 67 AD. And, and it's just, a, it's all about movement. It's all about spreading and what God was doing. And, and I don't know what, where you are, kind of what you're seeing and the, the condition that your heart comes into this place right now, what you are, are, are experiencing in our city, but God's doing some amazing things right now in, in Nashville. And, and, and I want to just tell you about some of those things in, in, in a minute. And so a couple of, uh, of weeks ago, we entered out of the season as a church family with other churches all around our city of praying and fasting for the lost in our city. And, and we ended the fast by sending a handwritten note to, to every person that calls Nashville home. And we're continuing to, to just hear amazing stories of what God is doing. And so a guy from our church family reached out to me this week and he emailed me this, this name and this address. And he said, hey, is there any way to figure out who was praying for this person? And I'm like, man, that's, you know, why? And um, potentially it's going to be hard to specifically track that person. Now we can probably figure out what church was praying for them, but um, it's going to be hard to identify that the specific person. He said, well, it's my sister and she and her husband just got baptized. And, and I want to reach out to the person that's been praying for them just to encourage them. And he's like, I never thought I would see this. I never thought I'd see this day. And, and I'm going, God is, is doing some amazing things in our city. We're, we're seeing all these opportunities open before God's people. And I want to invite you just to see it, just to, to open your heart to receive it. I was talking to one of my sisters after church last week, and she was telling me about one of her coworkers who, who doesn't believe in Jesus. She's a devout atheist. And yet she, she said, my friend is just open to, to, to God. And so she's been asking me all these questions about who God is and what, and what God is doing. And, and I'm going, guys, God is, is swinging the doors open, the heart harvest is plentiful. God is moving in our midst. I was at a coffee shop this week, and I started to, to sense a couple of months ago that I need to start being more intentional about how I was spending my work week, and not just working in our office, but thinking strategically about different parts of our city. And so I'm, I go to this, this coffee shop, and the coffee shop happens to be owned by, by, um, by people who are not Christians. They're actually Muslims. And so I'm getting to know them, I'm getting to know their names and becoming friends with them. And, and, and one day um, I'm, I'm working up there and I hear them saying, you know, hey, I'm going to go pray. And they have this room specifically in their coffee shop that's devoted to, to prayer. And I don't know what you know about Muslim people, but devote, devoted Muslim people, man, they pray a lot. And so I'm sitting there working and I'm going, I'm going to pray to Jesus right now. This guy's going to go to his prayer room. He's going to encounter the Lord. I'm going to baptize him in the hot tea, right? Like all this ambitious thinking, and he goes in there and prays, and nothing happens, but I'm going, man, I'm, I feel committed to this place, and to because I want to be a part of helping these people come to know Jesus, because I believe deep down that Jesus is who he said he is, and so I'm sitting there working last week, and this man walks in, and this guy is just so kind, and he walks in, and he knows all the people who work there, and I'm going, man, there's something different about this guy, and I happen to look up, and he's carrying a Bible. He's carrying an awaken packet, and, and so I, I go, and as I'm getting ready to leave, I go, and I sit down, and I talk to this guy, and I'm like, tell me, tell me about you. Like, what, what's going on? And he said, yeah, my wife and I moved here two years ago. We're, we're missionaries to Nashville. And he said, we, do, we lead a Bible study for Eastern Africans once a week, helping them come to know Jesus. And I'm just going, God, you're amazing. Like, you put it on my heart to come to this place. You put it on this guy's heart to come to this place. Like, you're, you're moving, God. 
And forgive us when we don't have eyes to see. Forgive us when we, when we fail to see what you're doing. But I'm going, man, God is doing some amazing work in, in us and through us and all around us and among us. And it's amazing. And so we're reading through the book of Acts because Acts is all about the movement of God. It's about when Christ started his church and when he sent out his spirit filled with the, sent out his people filled with the spirit of God, what they were doing, what they were doing. And so last week, we, we started the book of Acts, and we looked at this last conversation that Jesus had with his apostles. If you remember, Jesus died on a cross. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Over a period of 40 days, he appears to his disciples, and he gives them this, this command. He says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit is poured out. But you're going to be my witnesses all over the world. And so we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. But what I love about this is just the book of Acts and, and, and this scripture this morning and is, is that a lot of times when, when, when you and I, when we're just struggling in life, and think about this with me, we do this all the time. Like you're a teacher and man, your, your kids, you know, Sarah, your kids are just driving you crazy. Like they're, they're, they're hard and you're exhausted and you go home and you're like, why, why did I even get into this? Right, or, or, or you're leading a house church and, and it's just not turning out the way that you thought. Or, or you're, you're settling down, you're trying to just be faithful, a part of the, the body of Christ and, and nothing seems to be, to be working out for you. Or maybe it's your family and your family's just driving you crazy. Or maybe it's even your spouse. And, and, you, and you have this feel like in all these parts of your life, man, I, I just wanna, I wanna stop. I want to quit teaching. I want to quit leading a house church. I want to quit showing up. I want to get out of the marriage because it's just too hard, whatever it is. Have you ever noticed how, how so often when we find ourselves in a hard place that the best thing to do is to look back and to remember why we got into it in the first place? And what you realize is that so often the, the thing that got you there in the first place, like you wanted to be a teacher because you wanted to make a difference in people's lives or, or you wanted to be a house church leader because you, you wanted to, to, to help steward and lead people into the presence of God or you got married because you wanted to, 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 to right the wrongs in your family and to show what, what a true man of God was like or whatever it was, so often you look back. And as you look back, you realize, man, there were some things that I was doing in the beginning that I've neglected. And so often what happens is when you really turn introspective, you realize, oh, the problem's not there. Some things have shifted in here. And what I love about the book of Acts is it keeps asking us, it keeps forcing us to wrestle with, maybe there's things that are going on in here. Like maybe the reason that, that the movements of God always stop, it's not because of reasons out there, because of, man, I let the movement of God stop in here. Or maybe the reason our culture isn't as crazy about Jesus, they're not as passionate about his, his ministry and his heart, it's not the problem's not out there. Maybe it's because it's something going on in here. And what I love about Acts is it just takes us right back to our beginnings, right back to the roots, right back to our heritage of how all this got started. And it bids us, hey, will, will you examine what the people of God were doing and, ask, and, and have the courage to ask the hard questions yourself? Like, hey, am Am I doing this? Have I let go of some of the things that, 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 that started helping me step into the, to life with God in the very beginning? And so what we see in the book of Acts is probably a bunch of things. I teach this several years from now, and I'm sure I'll see something different. But for today, kind of the first element that we see, if you're a note taker, is, is that we see communal obedience. 
communal obedience. I love this in verses 12 and 13. It says, Then the apostles, they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, which is a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. And, and here's what I want us to notice, because you're like, what, what is going on there? They were simply doing what Jesus asked them to do. And let's not overlook that. What did Jesus just tell them to do? Does anybody remember? What did he tell them to do? To wait. And what are they doing? What are they doing? They're waiting. Man, they, they trust in Jesus. They're actually living by faith. Their actions were a reflection of what they actually believed in their heart. Jesus was leading their lives. He was indeed their Lord. And how do we know that? Because they were doing what he asked them to do. From this point forward in the scripture, the, the disciples, their experience with God was just like ours. They no longer had the physical presence of Jesus among them. They had memories. They had commands. And yet, what are the people of God doing? Because so often, man, we, we make exceptions. We're like, yeah, but it was different for them. They saw Jesus. They saw the miracles. Maybe they were healed by Jesus. They, they ate the bread that he multiplied. No, the, 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 from this point forward, they're experiencing life just as we are. And what are they doing? Man, they're obeying I love that Luke, he, he makes it a point to list out everyone's name who was there. I think that's important. The Holy Spirit, the, scripture, um, the scriptures were, were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, which means that God was involved in everything that was written down, that nothing was written down haphazardly or coincidentally, that God was working when the scriptures were, were spoken and written down. And the Holy Spirit led Luke to write down the names of these 11 apostles. And I'm wondering if the reason he had the Lord had him write these down is because he wanted us to understand that God sees, that God values obedience. That, that he didn't just want to list a generic group of people. He wanted to list the people by name to show that God sees our obedience. That God honors our obedience. God remembers our obedience. And I love that they were living this out together. It was in community it wasn't just Peter. He doesn't just say that, you know, that Peter and Bartholomew, they were praying or, or James, son of Alphaeus, was praying by himself. He lists out all of them because he wants us to understand it was a group effort. It was a family effort. It was a community effort. And a question that I've been wrestling with is, is are we actively being obedient to what God has called us to? Are you and I living by faith? Are we letting our lives be shaped by what he has spoken? Are we responding to his voice? I had such an amazing week this week, just getting to interact with several different people from our church family and, and being encouraged by just people's obedience. There's a guy in our church family named Cody, and I don't see Cody here this morning, so I'll call him out on that later. But um, we, were, we were meeting, and he was telling me about his company, and his company got connected with this um, little um, this little girl from the Philippines, and this you know, little girl from the Philippines um, had this rare, um, aggressive cancer. And so their company kind of helped get this little girl to America where she could receive treatment. 
And so their, their CEO, their president is, is this strong believer, and he's all about just helping their, the, the people in their company understand that, hey, it's not just about us. It's about taking care of other people. And so um, they, they've been walking with this little girl and supporting her financially and get their family here, which is amazing. And so one Friday, I get a text from Cody, and he said, hey, we're, we're driving to Memphis after work tonight that, that we're going to go lay hands on this little girl and me and two coworkers because we feel like God's just inviting us to, to drive to Memphis. I'm like, dude, it's 530. You're going to get there. At, you know, It's going to be late. <laughs> and you've had a long work week. And he's like, yeah, but this is what God's asked me to do. So they, they get in the car and they drive to Memphis and they walk in this room and, and, and they meet the parents and they start praying over this little girl for asking God to heal her. And, and he said, man, what I realized is that, you know, God didn't heal the little girl. In fact, the little girl ended up passing away, which is so sad. He said, but I realized that maybe God had us there for the family. That here are these two people from the Philippines and they knew no one. And for three followers of Jesus to show up and to say, you matter and our hearts care and we're hurting with you, we're hurting for you. And he said, I have no idea what God is doing. I'm going, I do. He's inviting us to be obedient and I'm seeing it in you. Or think about another one of my friends, a part of our church family. I'm not gonna call his name out this morning because it would embarrass him. But he was texting me this week and he said, um, uh, he wanted me to share in just the, the celebration, what was going on in his life. He said, last week, God invited me to, to pursue. He put someone on my heart. And so I reached out to this friend and they texted me back and I realized that my friend was going through this divorce. And they're having this conversation and he, he, his friend asked him, hey, do you believe in God? And do you pray? And how do you do that? And his friend, no joke, he, he said to me, you making contact, I look as a sign from God. And I'm going, what will God do just in our obedience? Just us being willing to respond to the people that God's putting on our heart. What is God doing? Or I think about my sister, Christina. I actually want to invite her to come up right now and just to kind of share about uh, an experience that she had this, this week. And I could tell it, but, but I want her to tell it because she'll tell it way better than I will. He just knows I'm embarrassed to get up here. That's really why. Um, so just a quick story. So Sam and I, my husband, went out for coffee this week some, with some friends of ours. And while we were sitting there, an older teenager girl, like 17 or 18 years old, walked up to our table. And she said, excuse me, I'm, I'm so sorry to interrupt you all, but I'm trying to practice listening to the Holy Spirit. And I felt like he gave me a word for you. And then she pointed at me. It's like, whoa, okay, all right. <laughs> So she continued talking and she said, when I saw you across the store, I felt like your persona radiated a woman who has been in the presence of the Lord. And she said, I have to ask, are you a Christian? And I told her I was, and I felt so awkward and uncomfortable. And so my husband had to make a joke. He said, hey, what about the rest of us? (laughs) So she went on and said, do you have a child right now that you are having a hard time with? And if you don't know me, we have four children ages nine and under, and I homeschooled them all. So I said, always, I always have a child I'm having a hard time with. She said, I also felt like the Spirit was prompting me to tell you that your child is his child first and that he loves your child and you. And so this was just super encouraging to me to hear this. And I'm so thankful that she was listening to God and trying to be obedient in what God was calling her to do. 
In fact, earlier in the same week, I was at Aldi and I felt like I was supposed to go stand in line at a certain cash register and talk to a cashier. And I chickened out. Well, I say I chickened out, but really I was just disobedient to what God was telling me to do. Um, This teenage girl reminded me to be bold for Christ and how much that boldness can bless others. Another thing that stood out to me from this was the part where she said she could tell I'd been in the presence of the Lord. I had not been in the presence of the Lord for several days. I hadn't been in the Word. I've been praying like, you know, a little bit, but like I really had not been in God's presence. But the morning before she said this to me, I had. It was the first morning of Lent, and I had really tried to intentionally slow down and spend time in the Word. And I had spent the morning reading in Romans. And when I got home that night, and I was going to write about this experience in my prayer journal, when I opened up my prayer journal, I saw, I had totally forgotten when this happened, but um, I saw that that morning I had written one verse down from my reading, and that verse was Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Just, just obedient, just responding to the things that, that God is putting on our hearts to do, the things that God is, is speaking to us. Will we be shaped by the words that he's spoken to us? The Lord put on my heart that we needed to, to start thinking about the schools that are around us, that we don't just need to, to show up here on Sundays, that we need to be good neighbors, that we need to, to, to not just show up and leave, but we need to bless the people that are living around here to give our lives to knowing them and caring for them. And so Sarah, who's interning with us, she reached out to, to one of the schools around us and just said, hey, is there any way that we can bless you? Is there anything that you need, anything at all? And so the principal replied back and said, yeah, that we need Lysol wipes. Flu is crazy around here. And, and so if, you got, if your church could give Lysol wipes, that'd be great. And so if you brought Lysol wipes, great. This week, we're also gonna take them next week. Please bring them. But the, also the second part of that email was so encouraging. The teacher said, we're also looking for some men that can just sit in the classroom a couple hours a day that could just be there for, for some of those boys. And I'm going, are you kidding me, God? Like, what kind of a principal is gonna, inviting a church to come into the very real lives of these kids? And I'm going, I don't know about you, but, but do you wanna be a part of that? Like, do you? <laughs> do we wanna make a difference in people's lives? And I'm going, it's crazy what happens when, when you and I, we just take that step of obedience. And I have no idea what God is stirring in you, what he's speaking to you. But my question for us is, will we be a community that is committed to being obedient? Like, I want that to be the norm for us around here. Not, it, it's so easy. You know, I so resonate with what Christina, I just, I so often, I'm not bold. I chicken out. I'm disobedient. And, and in our Christian culture, I go, I want to, to raise that temperature or we come here on Sunday morning and we're going, no, we're actually walking in obedience to God. And that will be tested. It'll be tested today. Like when, when we get serious about walking with God, it will be tested. And for us to be a group of people that are committed to communal obedience. The second kind of movement that we see in this text is communal prayer. Verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. I love they all joined together constantly. It wasn't just a few that gathered and not just a few that contributed in prayer. It says that all were praying, that all were sharing their hearts, that all were asking for God to pour out his love, pour out his mercy, to pour out his spirit. They 
We're all doing this. And it was constant. I love this picture. They kept coming back to God. They kept coming back to each other. I want to give us kind of two things to think about within this, this idea of communal prayer. It's, it's, it's not something we do solo. It's not a solo effort that we can have our private prayer lives and we need to have those things. Like you don't just need to be enjoying fellowship with God when you're with other people. You gotta have that with God. That's a blessing. It's a part of what it means to follow Jesus. You get to enjoy God wherever you are. But, but if that's all you have is just a private prayer life with God, you're missing out on something. One of the ways that we try to practice as a church family is through prayer gathering. So every Sunday night at seven o'clock you know, at the cannery, we, we open it up for, for everyone at our three campuses to come together and to pray, to pray together. And I wanna invite you to, to be a part of that, to prioritize that. If you have kids, don't let that be an excuse. Take turns watching the kids. There are other people in our church family that, that need you. Let the dad keep the kids so the mom can come and then trade. Sometimes bring your kids. Our kids will never learn to pray with other people. They'll never learn if, if they don't ever get an opportunity to do that. And as one of the leaders, we're okay with the messiness and the chaos. I know one of the, the excuses that that I think we have on, on Sunday nights, you know, getting at seven o'clock. Man, we already came one time Sunday morning. Why are you asking me to come back again? If, and, and it's like, I've got a long week ahead. I just want to rest, right? That's what, that's what you do before a long week comes ahead. But I want to encourage us and challenge us to, to think about what is rest. Is your definition, is your perspective on rest the same as Jesus's? In Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. And I go, I wonder if so often the reason we're, we're tired and we're, you know, grumpy on Monday morning is because we didn't rest in his presence. We rested in our American idea of what rest is. I go, what a better way to begin the week than being in the presence of God with other people. I invite you to, to come to prayer gathering. I invite you to, to pray with your roommates, to, to pray with your spouse. I've done a lot of things in my life that I look back on with just such regret and wish I could redo. But, but one of the things that God, for whatever reason, helped me do right was my freshman year of college with my roommate. When we were like living in the dorm, you know, it was a priority for us to pray together. We would just pray. We would give our hearts to God. We confess sin to God. And I want to encourage you, if this is you, if you're living with, with someone else, man, let that be a normal part of your life. Hey, do you want to pray? And if they say no, that's okay. But, but don't let that opportunity pass you by because you're too scared to ask. Pray with your spouse. Now, I remember this is a priority for Courtney and I. When, when we were dating, I remember on some of our very first dates, pick her up, I would take her back to, to the dorm and we would sit in my truck and we'd pray. It wasn't like we were doing this all the time and, and I look at our, our marriage right now and, and, and we get up in the mornings and we pray. We don't always pray together, but we're in God's presence together in the morning. And this has been something that has been building. I'm not telling you this so that you're like, oh man, that's amazing. I'm telling you this because someone a long time ago invited me to do this and it's blessed us immensely. And so don't hear this and go, man, I'm not doing that. Hear this as an invitation. Step in. 
This is one of those passages where Paul says, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. And this is one of the things that I think is, is worth following. So, so often, Court and I will get up and we're, and we're praying and, and we're, we're praying together. And, and, and it's not every morning that, that she and I are praying out loud, but we're in God's presence together. And, and over the fast, the highlight of the 30 days of prayer and fasting was one morning when Courtney and I prayed out loud together. That our kids woke up and for whatever reason, God gave them the, the spirit of muteness and spirit of like stillness. And they sat in our laps and we just prayed blessings on our children. And we thanked God for each other. And it was, amazing. it was the highlight of my fast. And I'm going, how is that? Because that's what God does. And, and it feels awkward when you haven't prayed, but just take the step. Just ask, hey, can we pray? Can we pray together? If, you haven't, if you're not doing that, just take a step. Come to a prayer gathering. You don't have to do it every week, but, but start coming. Pray with your roommates. Pray with your spouse. Invite people over for prayer. You're like, that is too far, Brandon. <laughs> Dale did this. He invited me over to pray. Several months ago, it's like, hey, Brandon, once you put the kids to bed, I want you to come over and pray tonight. And I'm like, Dale, it's Saturday night, dude. I got to get up early tomorrow to preach, to bring God's word. <laughs> He's like, come over and pray. Put the kids to bed. Drive to his house. It's late. We're just praying, but being in the presence of God. I'm going, I'm so thankful. Man, we invite people into our homes for all sorts of things. Let's watch the Super Bowl. Let's grill. Let's play corno. Let's do whatever it is that we're doing. Invite people into your home to pray. It's not something we do solo. And it's not for super Christians, okay? Communal prayer is not for super Christians. I get this all the time. Hey, I don't, I don't pray out loud, Brandon, or I'm not good at praying. Who told you that you weren't good at praying? If someone told you that, come and give me their name. <laughs> that will be the top priority of my week. <laughs> Why do you believe that you're not good at praying? Why do you believe that, that you're not supposed to pray out loud? Who told you that? I want to encourage you to just be willing to open your mouth, to open your heart. You know, my, I know that some of you go, man, I'm just not good at praying. I listen to other people talk, and, and I just, I don't pray to God like that. I'm not, I'm not good at it. I'm not as developed. I'm not as mature. You know, Jesus had some interesting words to say about this. He said, whoever does not humble themselves and become like a little what? Will not enter the kingdom of heaven. How do children pray? You ever listen to a child pray? Come to my house. Listen to my kids pray. Merritt was praying last night, my two-year-old. I'm like, let's pray, Merritt, before bed. Here's what she prayed. God, thanks for mommy. Bubba, mommy, sissy, mommy, Paisley, daddy, big C, mommy, you know. And, and I'm just going, that's such a terrible prayer, Merritt. Like, <laughs> where's the confession of sin? You know, where's your like high praise of God? No, right? I'm, I'm going, man, you're teaching me how to pray, Merritt. The simplicity of like, what's she thankful for? She's thankful for a mom that sacrifices for her. She just keeps thinking about her mom. Or think about my son Jones, and, and his prayers aren't elegant. He prays for, for people to be healing, even if they don't need healing. He's always praying that. God healed him. Like, buddy, they're okay. <laughs> Heal them. Heal them, God. Bring them home safe. And I'm like, oh, he, he has a prayer life with God. And you have things in your heart that will bless people around you. You know, the book of James tells us, 
that the prayer of a righteous person is what? It's powerful. It's effective. And you are righteous if you're a follower of Jesus. Why? Not because of your own actions, because of what Christ has done for you. And if you are not willing to pray out loud for other people, it means that you're withholding blessing that God wants to pour out on people. There are things in your heart that if you'll just start praying for people, your prayers will be powerful and effective. I encourage us to, to, to pray for people, to embrace this posture. Hey, can I pray for you, Rebecca? Can I just pray for you? Like, I'm so thankful you're here. I just want to pray blessing over you. Like, for that to be normal in our church. And it's not going to become normal unless we just start trying it. You'll never gain confidence praying out loud if you never pray out loud. Be okay not having polished prayers. Be okay with having unimpressive prayers. Because my guess is that the more unimpressive they are, the more you're actually speaking to the right person. And you're not trying to impress people around you. I know you guys have never done this, getting caught up in trying to to be impressive as you're praying. And I'm going, man, prayer is simply talking to your father. So I invite you, when, when we stand up here and we say, hey, we're dismissing the kids to class, pray out loud for them. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are effective. I encourage you, when we gather to take communion, pray out loud. Just pray. And I'm wondering if, if we will step into this enough to discover why they were constantly doing this. Like, that, that thought, that word constantly, is that like an exciting word for you? Like, when you hear of, man, they're constantly praying, do you go, sign me up for that? Or are you like, what, are you, what were they talking to God about? Praying like that doesn't sound amazing. That sounds hard. And I go, I wonder if there's a joy in God that we haven't found yet. You know, you read the book of Revelation and, and John gets this glimpse of things that are coming. And do you know what the angels and the, 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 the saints are doing in the presence of God? They're worshiping. And they're, and they're in the presence of God, proclaiming God. And if that's what, if that is what the, the angels in heaven, they could be doing anything in the world, but they're gathered around the throne of God giving him glory and talking to him. Why would we think that we're made for anything less? Perhaps there's a joy in God that we need to step into. They're constantly, uh, or they're they're walking in um, communal obedience, communal prayer. The third thing that we see is that they're searching the scriptures. I'm not gonna reread all of of this passage, but you can read verses 15 through 26. And and they were doing something else those days. It was about 10 days. I can't wait for next week. Come back next week. It's such a, pinnacle of the story that keeps going up. Um, but 10 days in between Jesus going to heaven and, and what happens next week. And so for 10 days, they're praying, but they're not just praying. They're, they're searching the scriptures. And this is so important. You know, Peter, he looks around at, at the people who are gathered and he looks at the scriptures and he realizes, oh, there are some things in scripture that need to be fulfilled some desires in God's heart that we are not living into. And so very practically for him, he, he remembered the Psalms that, man, that, that another was supposed to take the place of leadership. Judas had betrayed Jesus. Judas had gone his own way. And yet he remembered in the book of Psalms that, that there was someone else that was supposed to come in and, and replace him to step in this ministry. And what he was doing is simply looking at the scripture and going, God, where are we not living into this? 
Where are the places of incompleteness in our family? I go, do we have the courage to look into our own lives? To look at our friend groups, to look into our families, to look into our fraternities, sororities, and to look at the scriptures and to go, hey, there are some things in God's heart that we're not living into. Do we have the courage to do that when no one else is looking? Are we searching the scriptures? Are, are you and I searching for the words, the desires of God? Do we, do we want what God desires? Is that the posture of our heart when we turn to scripture? Or do we, do we never read scripture because it's boring and outdated? Man, just try, just, just start, just commit to reading it. Caroline will tell you about it. She loves the word. Just get in, just start reading. If you're not reading, just practice reading it. Be committed to it. Let it be a part of your day, your life. And you'll discover, man, I I've actually find myself thinking about this and, and wondering what God's heart is. I could talk about this for days. Um, but I, I wonder if, if the posture of our heart is, is searching for what God desires, or do we avoid it altogether, or do we skim over things that we don't like? Do we read things like, I, I don't like that. I'm not gonna live into that. That's a big deal. When that's the posture of our heart. For us to be a people that, that, read the script, that read the scriptures and discover and rediscover God's desire. The places of incompleteness in our lives and in the lives of our family and our friends and our church all around us. But not simply discovering it, being willing to do something about it. And so often if you're like me, man, I'll be reading it or I'll just sit through something like this and I'll be reminded, oh yeah, I've been missing it. And it's not a place of condemnation, it's a place of invitation. That all throughout, if you go back and you read the Old Testament, now, the people of God, they just lose focus. It just happens over and over again. Like there's a reason that we do that. It's because it's human nature to, to lose focus. And so you go back and you read First and Second Chronicles. It's the same story over and over again. The people of God forget about God. And then someone rises up that says, hey, there is a God. Let's get things right with God. Let's get right in our hearts with God. And so I think about this, this one king, his name was Josiah and, and his father before him, man, he cared nothing about God. He cared nothing about leading the nation of Israel to be God's people. And so Josiah gets put in this place and he says, I'm gonna take this very serious. I'm going to, to be a reformer. I'm gonna invite us to actually be God's people. And so one day he has the people of God gathered and they pull out the scripture and they realize, oh, we're not doing the things that God desires for us to do. And you know what he does? He just has the courage to start doing it and to invite others to do it with him. You see it in the life of Nehemiah or in the book of Nehemiah with this man named Ezra. The people of God forsook God, wanted nothing to do with God. A man rises up says we're not living into the desires of God. We're not being obedient. This is something that we'll do the rest of our lives as followers of Jesus. Because the word is alive and active. The scriptures have this way of speaking to us and, 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 and moving us personally in my life. The, what the Lord has been convicting me of is what I talked about last week. And all week I've been like overanalyzing, like, man, was I too hard? Like, did I run people off on what I said last week? And I realized I spoke about it passionately because it was God's speaking to my heart that when I look at what it means for Brandon to be a witness to Jesus, that, that man, that has been a, something I'm very comfortable doing in this public place, but I'm not very comfortable doing that one-on-one -on -one with people. And in fact, I've gone, man, I know it's important, but God, I would, I would rather you just do it. And so there, this really cool story happened last year at this um, Syrian refugee. Jesus appeared to this person in their dream and they give their life to Jesus in baptism. And I hear that story and I'm like, 
That's amazing, God. But what, is, what was standing out of my heart is that so often I want Jesus to do the hard work. And I don't want to have to open my mouth. And I don't want to initiate the conversation with someone. So uncomfortable, Christina, to, to talk about things like that at Aldi. It's so uncomfortable. And what I realized is that, you know, I ask my kids to do things. I'm like, hey, Finley, Jones, hey, pick up your toys. And sometimes they're like, hey, you pick up the toys. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and we do that with God. I do that with God. God's like, I want you to be my witness. And I'm going, no, God, you do that. I'm going to preach and, and I'm going to be a good husband, and, but I'm not going to be a witness to you. I'm not going to tell about what you've done. And I realized, man, how, how God just has this way of, of bringing things before us, putting them right in our eyes. And will we have the ability, will we have the, the, the discernment to take it in and to respond? Or do we just dismiss it? Will we be a people that are committed to searching the scriptures? Finding the places that we're not living into it. Will we have the courage to do something about it? Not just in our lives, in the lives of people around us. Had lunch this week with a pastor in a church that is in this neighborhood, and I'm super excited about some things that we get to talk about in the next few weeks, about some ways that we're going to get to partner with this church to bless the neighborhood. It's going to be amazing. But he was asking me at lunch, he said, hey, hey, Brian, I want to ask you, you know, you, you, you want to be a good neighbor in this neighborhood. He said, what happens if the, the housing developments, what happens if, if the government comes in and, and they decide that, that they're going to displace all these poor people that live in Section 8 housing? Well, what kind of a neighbor will you be then? Will, will you be willing to speak up for the poor? And I'm going, man, that's, that's God's heart to, to care for the poor. To, to speak up for those that can't speak up for themselves. And I go, I wonder if, if we're interested in being a church that, that reads the Bible, but more than that, obeys the Bible. I want us to be a church that, like that. Man, that, that we don't just read it, but that we make the changes. And I have to keep reminding myself, but, but what was going on in the hearts of, of these people? Why did, they, why did they do this? Like, were they trying to earn something? No, they, they understood that Jesus was Lord. And they understood that Jesus loved them. He just told them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. And what I want you to do as the person that is in charge is I want you to go and to make disciples of all nations. I want you to be my witness about who I am and what I've done. They understood that Jesus was Lord. He told them to wait. They were waiting. Do we have that posture with God or do we treat God like, like we are Lord? No, that's too hard. Here's what you're gonna do. You pick up the toys. He's Lord. And they understood that that was actually a good thing. It's actually a good thing that Jesus is Lord. Perfect life, sinless life. He never missed it. Never had a sinful thought. Never had an off day. He never mistreated people. He never, he never ever, missed it. He's the perfect candidate to be Lord. And he loved the people. Every single one of these people, all of his disciples, man, they had the moment to stand with him, to stand up for him, man, to have that conversation in Aldi. And they, and they weaseled out of it. They were disobedient. And yet he shows up to them and he pours upon them grace. And they understood that they weren't there just to, to serve Jesus. They were there because Jesus loved them.
And for you to understand that same thing, for me to understand that same thing, that we are loved by Jesus. That as far as the east is from the west, he has separated our sins from us. You know, my two oldest, they're with my in-laws today at, at their church because there's a little girl getting baptized that my daughter and my son look up to. And so they were asking about baptism yesterday. And I said, man, baptism is a place, man. When, when you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that your sins are forgiven, everything you've ever done, it's taken away. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, which means that you have help from this point forward to be the type of person that God wants you to be. And I'm telling them this and I'm just going, yes. That's what it's about. You see, these people understood, man, obedience and communal prayer and searching the scriptures wasn't this duty. It wasn't this obligation, man. They understood. They did it joyfully. They understood that Jesus was Lord, that Jesus loved them. So we take communion every Sunday. We, we do this because Jesus told us to do it. Hey, when you eat the bread, when you drink the cup, remember me. And so we're actively doing that as a family. We're actively remembering that because of Jesus, we are forgiven. We're actively remembering that because of Jesus, we are, are, are right with God. Because of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. It's all because of Jesus. And so we, we take the bread and drink the, um, the, the juice to remember him. And I want to invite you, if you come here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, to give your life to him. And there'll be some men and women at the back of the respond banner. And we'll talk to you. If, if you want to experience this forgiveness, you want to experience what it feels like to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, come to the Respond banner. As we're taking communion, I want to encourage you at, to gather in groups of, of two or three or four or five and, and I, to answer this question. Is there something that God has asked you to do that you are doing right now? Or is there something that God has asked you to do that you're not doing? And I encourage you to share those things. And if you're not doing it, to do it this week. I encourage you to answer that question and to pray together, to practice praying out loud. And then as we leave, you know, this is what we're talking about this year, that, that, that we want to really just, on behalf of one person in our lives that doesn't know Jesus, just keep interceding. Keep asking, God, would you draw this person to you? Would you help their heart know you? And so I want to encourage you as you leave this week, keep praying for your one. Who's one person in your life that needs the goodness of Jesus? So I'll pray for us, and then we'll go take communion. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for who you are. Um, God, I, I thank you that, that you work and move, and I pray that um, just for, for me personally, that you would help me not to be a coward, that you would help me to be courageous, and my tendency is to shriek back and to not speak boldly, to not ask the questions. And I pray, God, for your presence, just to help me, that it is your power that I need, and and that you would forgive me, and that, God, this would just be a changing point for me, that confessing to my community that it's easy for me to be a coward, that this, you would use this to help propel me, that they would ask me, that they would pray for me. And I pray, God, for my sisters and brothers in this room, for the things that you've asked them to do that they're doing, and I give you glory for that. And God, for the things that you've asked us to do that we're not doing, help us to take this step. And God, if we come here this morning, there's nothing that's really on our mind, help us to have great peace. And to know that you're, there will be a time where you give us something and we'll have to have to make the decision. Will we be obedient or disobedient? So God, thank you for my brothers and sisters, for the kids this morning. Thank you for your presence being in this place. If I said anything that's not from you, not from your heart, that is from me, God, let those things be forgotten. Let them be forgiven. But the things that are from you, let them stick. Let those things come with weight. Let them change us for your glory, Jesus. And we give you the honor that you deserve. You're the only one who died. You're the only one who's worthy of our praise. And so as we break this bread, we, we celebrate. As we finish today in worship, we celebrate. We thank you 
You alone are the King of Kings. You alone are the Lord of Lords. You alone will return that we'll see, every eye will see you. Every knee will bow before you. Every tongue will confess that you're Lord. And God, let us be a part of that joy uh, on, on earth. So one day we'll be in heaven. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.